Looking for a one-stop shop for all your audio and video needs? Then look no further than Always Press Record Productions. With over 100 hours of original content produced, Always Press Record Productions has an experienced staff on hand ready to assist you with all your YouTube, podcast, and music video needs. Check them out at alwayspressrecord.com. Once again, that's alwayspressrecord.com. And remember, they press record and you become the star. Welcome to the Mangrove Community. Strengthening the community one branch at a time. For more information about the community or how to volunteer, please visit mangrovecommunity.org. The Mangrove Community presents the Reasonable Doubt Podcast Series. All right, so we're back with uh, Reasonable Doubt. We have Roderick Butler here today, candidate for Houston City District B. City Council. How's it going? Good, and yourself? Good, good, good. So um, let's uh, let the people know about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from Scenic Wood, native Houstonian, native Texan. Uh, went to Forest Brook Senior High School. Uh, the other schools don't really matter because if you didn't go to Elmore, if you didn't go to Kirby, all that stuff. <laughs> but I went to uh, Rogers Elementary, Oak Village uh, Middle School, and Forest Brook High School. And then after that, I left to go to Austin, went to college there, worked a little bit, came back home, and went back to Austin, worked for a long time, and then came back home. So I worked 25 years in the legislature as a legislative aide, chief of staff, uh, committee clerk. Uh, I think I worked with a couple of state agencies and lobbyists, mm -hmm. and then uh, came back home in 2014 when my mom got sick. So I'm pretty much uh, Houston born and bred. Uh, right now, though, the interesting part is when you ask me about myself, all those schools that I mentioned don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem for me, uh, being where I'm from in my community, that I see the educational institutions that I had. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to turn into something else, get bigger, smaller. Right. It's another thing to go away altogether. So they tore schools down or yeah, they changed? Yeah, they're, they're done. Rogers is a field now with a horse in it from in the back of our community in Cynicwood. Uh, Oak Village was taken over by one of the charter schools, either Yes Prep or some other type of entity. So it's still being used as a school. It's mm -hmm. no longer a public school. Right. And then Forest Brook, which was a high school, is now North Forest, which is a middle school. Yes. So that legacy of Forest Brook, there is no more Forest Brook trying to get academic records and mm -hmm. district championships and state championships. It doesn't exist anymore. Right. So that's all I was saying in that regard. Gotcha, gotcha. That's bothersome, though. Yeah, I, it could be when you're looking back. Like you say, it's your lineage, lineage and legacy and things like that. Yeah. So born and raised in the Houston area, mm -hmm. went to school in Austin, and then it sounds like um, your career path was in the political realm. Correct, definitely in the political realm, in the sense that when you are a state elected official, you go to Austin once every two years, and what you do is you don't do what in my race, which is Houston City Council in a district, not even at large or the mayor's office. You do a few things specifically. It's long distance, so you're in Austin once every two years. Mm -hmm. Your job is to mandatorily, they have to pass the state budget. They pass a lot of laws while they're there. And then um, they don't pass a lot of laws while they're there to make sure that, because there's some things, 
Uh, if your laws were changing every two years, you could probably deal with it a lot better than them just changing over and over again, which is a good thing. So it's a part-time legislature. In other words, everybody that comes from all over the state of Texas to sit in those seats and represent those districts, mm -hmm. uh, they have other jobs. They are insurance salesmen. They are farmers, ranchers, uh, lawyers, doctors, a couple of good doctors up there, as a matter of fact, and uh, everything else that just regular people are. But they are in positions that, fortunately, their businesses mm -hmm. or what they do for professions allow them to take that five months off every two years and go up and either change the laws of the state of Texas, vote for the state budget, and debate bills and issues on a state level. When you see them in the dry cleaners, they don't do your garbage. Mm -hmm. When you see them at the movie theater, they don't handle things from in the county. They handle things on the state level for laws, statutes, and the state budget. Other than that, the county and the city, the position I'm running for, city council member district B, they handle all of your direct services. Mm -hmm. So the county does parks, roads, and bridges, maintenance and infrastructure. The city does the same thing just on their level, right. but they also do trash cleanup. They do clinics and they do multi-service centers and things of that nature. But the state fortunately funds, because some of that money comes down through the state mm -hmm. after the legislature passes the budget, comes down through the state for criminal justice, for health, for education. And then it filters through HISD, filters through the city, filters through the county. And so that's pretty much how that works. Right. So what made you want to run for um, City Council District B? It's a simple answer. When I got home, everybody said, well, with all this pol political stuff, you ought to run. I said, no, there, there are people out there that got that covered. And then I kept looking around my community as I finished getting my mom situated and stable. And I said, no, I don't think we're on top of this. Mm -hmm. So... I'm asking, where are the grocery stores? I'm looking around and realizing we're in a food desert. I'm realizing the neighborhood is still the same that it was not just 30 years ago, but when I was a kid. And that's a little longer than 30 years ago. So I started asking questions. Well, I remember a guy knocking on my door asking for my vote. I said, you're the only guy I've seen. That's fine. I don't have to go out and find nobody. Mm -hmm. And people's responses weren't positive. And I could tell why, because it all made sense when you actually stop to look at something. Right. If you got kids and they're playing over in the distance and all of a sudden you hear some scream, oh, they're just kids being kids, but till something happens. Mm -hmm. Then you get up and go, hey, what's going on? And then, you know, like I say, it's all fun games till somebody gets their eye poked out. Well, in this case, we kind of blind. Right. This was deep. So I'm traveling the city mm -hmm. when I get home. I'm going to all these different other parts of the city of Houston, soon to be the third largest city in the country. They look good. They're growing. They're rising. Then I come back to my neighborhood. I don't have decent grocery stores. I don't have the schools that I had anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have the jobs and opportunities that when I was a kid or just looking around. Then I talk to neighbors. <clears throat> And they got lists of things that are bothersome to them. Illegal dumping, trash, crime, uh, lack of economic development. The economic development part was a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. One of the things that sort of got me into it, I'm not a big complicated person. I do simple stuff. And that was when my car broke down when I got back to Houston, I went to get it repaired. 
I said, man, I'll catch the bus. I'm good. That bus has been running since I was a kid. Took me all the way to work at Astro World, mm -hmm. which a lot of kids actually have done. That bus takes us out of this community to go find jobs because sometimes when you're living in a household, you ask mom for this and that and the other. She go, you got to go get that on your own. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. But that bus that used to run till midnight or 1 a.m. that went from my mom, a block from my mom's house all the way to near Ailey's and then back again, that bus stopped running at 8 and as far as it goes now, it's cash, man. So what do you think the difference is between the different neighborhoods with, the, with you driving around the city and the things that you've seen? What do you think the difference is in, you know, um, would say your rice or um, downtown, upper Kirby areas, things like that versus District B? The simple answer is political will. Mm -hmm. It's the desire to get something done and people get behind it and make moves. Mm -hmm. And once they make those moves, they benefit from them. And the people that live in that community see the benefit and they get behind it and support it. So one of the things that communities have, because a city is a city, mm -hmm. and as I keep hearing city representatives always saying, everybody wants something. That's true. But that's the name of the game. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at economic development. When I told you about that bus route, stopping at 8, how do you get home if you live on my side of town and you're getting off of work at 8? Right. And the bus is already stopped. That makes no sense when you have to go find certain jobs. So now you got people having to find rides and buy cars and get in situations where they might be riding dirty or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or just, it's a second job. It's just difficult to do, especially if you don't have the resources. Are you trying to at least come up? Right. So economic tools are helpful, such as things like the city and the county can provide. The ability to help you have mobility to get to jobs. Mm -hmm. The ability to have those people who come into the community that provide jobs. Or if the job is not in the community, you can at least get to it, and it's a fair wage and all this other kind of stuff. But economic tools, at least in the community so you keep yourself safe, you need a bus shelter, like I was telling you earlier. Bus shelter helps you while you're waiting on the bus. Mm -hmm. You don't want to show up to work looking like a wet dog. You don't want to show up to work having stood an hour to wait for the bus, and then you got to go at a job and stand eight hours. Right. That's tough. Right. And what do you do in a situation where you see that the cutoff time for the bus ride is eight o'clock, but you want to extend that time period so your people that get off at eight or you know, they need that time. How do you how do you speak to that and get that changed in your community? I went to my civic club because I wanted to talk. I said, hey, why does the bus cut off at 8? Oh, man, we already know that uh, metro, this and that and the other. And so I said, well, I understand that community clubs do wonderful things. I understand that y'all plant gardens, y'all put trees and signage in the middle of meetings, and y'all allow individuals uh, to talk about issues that are going on in the community. Mm -hmm. I said, but I'm not that guy. I'm a guy that goes and deals with government. Right. So do y'all mind if I go talk to, because we have an entity called Metro, mm -hmm. talk to them about making some changes. And I said, all I want is the bus ride extended. So maybe you can't go to 1 a.m., but you can go to midnight. Somebody's got to get home. Right. I know for a fact people are trying to get from where they are back to my side of town without having to call a cousin or pay somebody, hey, man, thanks for coming to get me. Right. It, it, you, you make a way, but why do you have to do that when, again, governmental entities should be assisting you, but it's about 
one they didn't know so we reach so i decided hey can i go do this civic club said man knock yourself out we ain't really concerned about those people we're trying to do what's inside the neighborhood mm -hmm. i said well my skill is outside the neighborhood so i go to metro i sit down with the people and they go and the board specifically mm -hmm. i talking to staff and all that kind of stuff that's all well and good but people do not realize that they have the ability to we call it address your grievances to governmental bodies like city council, county commissioners court, metro court, any entity that is governmental, semi-governmental that has a board, they gotta let the public come and talk to them. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to catch somebody outside or write a note. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I found out was I went to the board and I said, hey, we need this on our side of town. This is what I'd like. Then I started noticing other things. So I went to city council, mm -hmm. hey, not complaining, Northeast Houston, that's what we were talking about at the time. We stand ready to work with y'all two years after Ike. Uh, y'all got a new council in place. Y'all got people. There are things we need. So just know, we're not asking for anything right now, but we want to extend ourselves to start working with you to take care of things in this community. Mm -hmm. Did the same thing with Commissioner's Court. So one of the things is you go in front of Metro, you tell them what you need. They listened. I thought they was going to blow me off, but they actually listened. Okay. They got busy. I get a phone call. Guy asked me to show up. I don't know who the guy is. We finally connect. When I finally call his office at 4.50 one afternoon, he picks up his own phone. Mm -hmm. And I go, hey, you're looking for me. Yeah, man, we need to meet and talk about this change that you want. I was like, okay. I was like, what's your title again? And he said, I'm the vice president of planning and engineering at Metro. Mm -hmm. So... He wasn't a rank-and-file employee. Right. He was the guy that the board hired to pay to say, figure out this bus route, man. And when it needs changes and tweaks, mm -hmm. and you're an engineer, and he's a pretty good engineer, right. your job is to make that happen. Our job is to give you the authority to make that happen. Mm -hmm. We sat. We talked in a room. He said, man, come on in my office. He showed me the route. He said, tell me what you want. The interesting thing is when you speak truth to power and you find the right decision makers, you better have a plan right. and work that plan. So I'd already knew which turns and where and what was needed. Mm -hmm. So I told him the bus needs to not turn and come back to town at the end of the route in my neighborhood. Right. The bus needs to turn and go to the shopping district. I got people walking down Langley, which is a dark street, two lanes. When the sun goes down, there's no light, but they're carrying groceries. I've seen everybody from old people in scooters to young people, to couples, to middle-aged folks walking down the street with groceries. Mm -hmm. That street is at least one mile long. Mm -hmm. And then that's just to get you back to the back of Fontaine, which my community is on the other side of Fontaine. Right. So if you were walking from my house all the way to the grocery store or the Home Depot, you have to walk three mile, two miles to get to Hirsch Road. From Hirsch Road to 59, where the shopping districts are, that's three miles, going, coming back, mm -hmm. coming back, carrying groceries. Metro heard that. The guy put a plan in place. We went through a series of seven meetings because when they make these route changes, they don't play. We made a, uh, seven meetings, and we got that done. They just voted on it last week. So like I told you, the real work begins. Mm -hmm. And when you ask me about you know, why I'm running, one reason I'm running is because on the day of the vote, I'm driving out of my community. And at the brand new ADA compliant, I always got to say that, 
bus shelter that we had, I see the older Anglo disabled female that I had talked to previously about getting the bus stop upgraded. Because remember, I had Metro was talking about service changes. I still wanted infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I needed them to build the stuff that they didn't build in the 1990s right. and the 2000s in our community. But they built out West Houston. They built out South Houston. And they also built out a little much to the airport. But Northeast Houston, it was a big blank on their Metro Next map. Mm -hmm. That was problematic for me. And also when they were in my civic club, I introduced them. I said, hey, man, I got Metro to come and talk to us about issues. Mm -hmm. So my Civic Club members are raising their hands saying stuff like, hey, why don't you return my call? I already wrote a letter to y'all about what I needed. Oh, I went down to the such and such and nobody got back with me. At that point, I looked over at Metro and I said, oh, we got a problem. Mm -hmm. These people have already been talking to y'all. I just showed up and I know how to get y'all to show up here. Mm -hmm. But y'all have not been listening to their genuine concerns. I got a fundamental philosophy. Everybody, even a fool, needs a phone call returned at the appropriate time. Right. These people never got any response. They basically were told, all right, thank you for your input. And for months, years, almost decades, we're paying in the bond elections that are building up other sides of town, mm -hmm. mobility to get somebody else's kids in far west Houston to get them where they need to go, right. to get somebody in south Houston where they need so to go. So did the <clears throat> did these residents, did they go down and take the same steps that you took with going down to Metro and speaking to people, or did they just write and call and things like that? I, I wouldn't say that, you know, the people in my community sit in their backyards and scream at City Hall, but pretty much that's what they do. Um, that's why I told you in the Civic Club, I tried to go through the proper channels. I'm talking to community leaders mm -hmm. and I'm talking to people that I think should know the mayor and this person and that person and we vote for folks. But I came to find out they were concerned about what was happening in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. but they didn't understand what you do to change it. Like there's an old saying, economic power and political power go hand in hand. You mm -hmm. can't have one without the other. But I know about government. So one of the things I want to bring to this job is I'm sitting in a community meeting and they're talking about all these problems and this, that, and the other. And I'm saying, well, there are people responsible for that. There's money for that. There's ways that get done. Some of it requires sacrifice, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain. And then sometimes you just got to go talk to people and say, hey, man, we're not leaving until we get this done. Mm -hmm. Because it makes sense. And I know you know it makes sense because there's no other way. Now, what y'all are doing doesn't make sense. And I'd like to know. But remember when we started this story and I told you somebody showed up at my door and said, hey, I'm running for council, vote for me. And I right. said, somebody got this covered. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding out that if I was on a bus, let's use this metro analogy, right. my bus driver wasn't just asleep. He just wouldn't, um, what do they call, impaired. My bus rider stopped the bus, sorry, no, slowed the bus down, opened the door, put a rock on the, <laughs> the accelerator and leaped off and did a tuck and roll. Right and did a 10-point ta-da and won the gold medal. And we on the bus screaming and hollering, what's happening, what's going on? Somebody get control of this. Mm -hmm. So that's what was happening, that everybody was screaming. They were hollering. They were upset. But it was the same old, same old right. for months. 
years, decades. And how do we get a control of that? Because it's going on. You have the city officials that are representing these areas. Correct. You have organizations that are representing these areas. So when someone <clears throat> does come from the community and they do get in front of these um, government entities like city council, things like that, they're being told, oh, your area is taken care of. That's that, a lie. Exactly. Let's, let's call it what it is. So it requires very simply, and people go, man, nobody want to hear this kind of language, but it's what's going on. It requires a revolution. In other countries, they have revolutions to change what is going on, and in some cases, they're bloody, and people don't wake up the next day, and things change, and that guy that was the guy that was running things, and he had a bank account that nobody... All of that goes away, and buildings get burned, and people get put up against firing squads, and folks get thrown in dungeons and jails and never seen again and never heard from again. I'm not advocating that, but I am advocating a revolution in the sense of, one, you ask me, did the people do what I did to get the change at Metro that they voted on last week? No. They didn't want to go to seven meetings in a row mm -hmm. and listen to white people tell them who have control of all this money. I'm sitting in a deal and I said, well, you know, we pay into tax dollars and bond elections and those people decide, oh, no, it's our money. Hmm. And they gave me the stink eye. Mm -hmm. That's our money. You know, they're not in control of that. And I go, yes, once you do the bond election and they sweep the money and it goes into their account right. and they sit in a board meeting and decide the budget and who will get a contract and who will not get a contract, they have control of your money. It is still your tax dollars, but you have given up that voice because you're out here living your life. You're not trying to hold people accountable and responsible. My superpower when it comes to government is how to understand how to hold people accountable right. when it comes to power, money, authority, and public policy. So you go down to Metro, you hold the board's feet to the fire, and you make all those seven meetings to the point to where they turn and say, anybody got a problem with changing the three Langley over in Northeast Houston? Nope. All right, Mr. Butler, you got your change. But I got my change, but that's where the real work starts. I did it, but it was the community. They, they participated. They had Metro come out, and they did rides on the bus. They did ride-alongs, and they went to meetings, and they talked. But a lot of those meetings, it was just me and a few people. Mm -hmm. A lot of those conversations, it was just me and a few people. The will was there, but 90% of sometimes after you have that will is you show up. Right. So, And that's, that's something we see in our community. A lot of people are not showing up. We have the people that are looking to represent our communities, but... When we turn around and look for that backing, no one's to be found as far as people in the community. How do we get people involved with what's going on? How, how do we get them to see how important it is? Because I use an example as, you know, when you're getting, when you're getting a family reunion together and everybody has to put their $25 in, $50 a family, you're going to watch that money. You're going to make sure that when you show up at that family reunion that you got good meat, um, good food, good drinks, that everything is set up nice in a nice venue, nice hotel. But people don't understand what our tax dollars, it's the same thing. We need to track that money, watch that money, speak to that money. How do we get people more involved? You, you can't. <laughs> Not the way it is now. Carl, we have 
broken communities, mm -hmm. with broken families coming out of those communities, and people are just trying to do the best they can. So I got to go watch somebody else. I got to go hold somebody else accountable. Man, don't you have the integrity enough to go do the job that you asked for? And it's a hard job. Right. I always say that being District B's city council member after decades of just neglect mm -hmm. and nothing, it, people are snake bit. It's like stepping off a cliff on faith. It's tough because it didn't get bad in the last eight years. And it should get better in the next eight years with the right person. But I just told you in this whole thing, 30 years ago, right. 30 plus years ago, my community hasn't seen. It's like your kid has a cough. Your wife says we need to do something about it. You say, I want to do some organic stuff, da, da, da. I want to take the kid to the doctor. Okay, all right, well, let's let, let's try all of these, and but we're going to do one at a time, and it, it's improvement. But if we got to go to a kid who get, you know, the, the vaccine, and then we keep it moving, and everything will be fine. But what happens if you and your wife go to bed that night, and 30 years later, you wake up and say, so how's the kid doing? And your wife says, that kid died a long time ago. And you go, what? wait, but didn't we? Baby, we did nothing. All that stuff we talked about, we didn't do it. So to go back to your original question, it can't happen now the way things are going because, Carl, they, and when I say the they, the powers that be, and I said this at a city council meeting to the mayor and the council, they, the powers that be, apparently, and when that's why I have to use the word revolution, they want to build a new Houston. Mm -hmm. Water parks and green spaces and hike bike trails and rock climbing adventure places and all of these beautiful townhomes built on 1.9 acres and duplexes. They want to build all that stuff for people that are not here yet, that are coming, mm -hmm. that are going to pay into the tax base and they're going to hold those people accountable and they're not going to look like you and me and they're going to build all that nice stuff on the ashes of your community and my community. And it's going to be like that scene in, um, what's the movie, uh, Terminator, where you see the metal foot just stepping on a skull. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. And that's why I'm saying it's that dire, because they're moving on. Gentrification so it, and all that stuff. Is it, so it seems like it's either one or two things. It's going to take that political candidate that has the insight of the community to know what's really going on, what's really needed, and how to address those needs and get those things uh, placed in the community, those programs, services, infrastructure, things like that. And if the people see it, maybe they can get on board. But we can't just let the citizens, of the residents of the community off the hook. Because no. when you go on social media, when a new pair of J's come out, they're in line for it. You know, when, um, when there's some drama going on on social media, everybody's watching it, sharing it, talking about it. How do we get them to get that excited about what's going on in their community. You got to start living in the real world. You got to realize I appreciate people trying to take care of what is on their table, keeping their jobs, providing for their families. But there's some bigger obligation. And right now with gentrification and trash and the city growing and services and budgets and all that kind of stuff, people got to get very real. And that's why I use words like revolution. Mm -hmm. I don't use words like, we got to have a change. Because it's that serious. Yeah, <laughs> we got to have a change. 
Okay, we're going to change from one old white guy to another old white guy. We're going to change from the same old mayor to the new guy mayor. We're going to give the seat back to the guy that when he got in, he was about as broke and busted as the rest of us. But he was one of us. And now he's leaving. He's one of the wealthiest politicians in the local area. Right. I have no problem with people making money. I don't. Right. You got to make a living. I just said you got to feed your family. But what I do have a problem with is people being greedy. And that is one for me, one for you. And once we figure it all out, you say, man, good doing business with you. And the person say, hold on. I need to reach over and do this. And they pull all of yours to their side of the table. You say, what are you talking about, man? I thought we had a deal. They say, we did have a deal. You got paid. But what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. That's how it goes. Now, you can take this one and go take care of what you need to do. And you're sitting there looking and saying, this system is rigged. This system is jacked up. This is wrong. So we got to have a revolution to actually start taking care of people and getting down to your boy Jay. I never forgot that conversation. That conversation was so deep because my answers were so off. Mm -hmm. I was so wrong in my responses to you. I called people that night yeah. that understood. And, 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 and just to let um, everyone know, Jay is a guy in the community who he's looking to start his own business. He has the entrepreneur spirit versus someone who just wants to go out and work an hourly job. And the question was raised, how do we um, provide, for, provide services and programs and things for our residents like that, our young residents, because right. this guy's only 20. And the thing that I had to come back was I gave you the stock answer. I gave you, well, I'll talk my head. This is how it works. And here's how the math works. Math don't work. Mm -hmm. I had people telling me, you wrong, man. They're trying to do what you actually are trying to do in your campaign. You're trying to do a people-centric situation. They talked about political stuff. But the political stuff is comprised of a super neighborhood or a civic club. But those civic club super neighborhoods are comprised of individual people. Mm -hmm. And those individual people are a little more politically active. But then there's just some people that are out on the corner. There's some people out trying to hustle and make it. They ain't got time for a meeting. That was Jay. What the situation I was explained was, you don't know what Jay's mental state is. You don't know what he's gone through. You don't know where he is in his life. He wants to be someplace. Mm -hmm. But you have to do an actual assessment. You ain't got to talk about it. You got to go get him some help, professional help. You got to get him comfortable to go talk to people to figure out what his skill level is. So what I sent you later on from the people that had a better understanding about how to reach down, deep down, and lift somebody up, or at least try to dust them off to say, hey, man, you serious about this? They said, try to get him in touch with a guy who took him eight years to get a successful food truck mm -hmm. in South Houston. Maybe Jay can go sit and have, if the guy's not working hard, a quick conversation with him. Because, again, you got to show up and say, man, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And the guy will say, Jay, you don't get this in eight days, eight months. It took me eight years of sacrifice and struggle to just have this, but I got lines around the block. Mm -hmm. But Jay, to bring you into this, first of all, you in far North Houston. I'm in far South Houston. If I gave you a shot, just brought you on to a ready-to-go turnkey locked up, Jay, how you going to get here? 
Jay, are you in a space mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, and physically that you could get to this job every day? Jay, let's even go further. What if I just put a location out in North Houston? And I say, Jay, this is yours to run. But I can't, as a competent businessman, put somebody that I right. don't know. And we don't know what Jay's <coughs> But Jay, Jay's willing to, willing to build it from ground up himself. Um, and, and being in city council, wouldn't the permits, don't the permits come through city council desk? Because that would be the first thing he would need to figure out permits and things like that to, to be set up as a, as a no. pool vendor in Houston. Now, the, from my perspective, that's what I could help him with. Mm -hmm. My deal was going back to the, the grit or the core, which was making sure Jay was in a situation that he just didn't do like a lot of people start a business and it wasn't successful. Try to start a business and he couldn't get backing and funding. So my conversation that I had was about making sure, Jay, that when he did get to level ground, that he had as best a shot as anybody else. Matter of fact, hopefully a better one. But standing on the corner and wishing, you know, that's like if you walk past <coughs> and Jay was spitting bars. And you said, man, that's fire, Jay. And you go, yeah, man, if I could just get on. Yeah, if I could just get on. But even if Jay got on, he got to deal with record promoters and companies and people stealing from him and just, you know, he don't get paid back to his third album. Right. It's but, you know, that's, that's that. life, though. But wouldn't it be... But you asked me, how do we help Jay? Right. And, and we, of course, and we want to get him, you know, we want to let him know the downfalls, pitfalls and things like that. But just the first step, like... Can we give them a first step in what direction to take? And not necessarily yeah, the first step in eight years. We <laughs> definitely can. And nobody but everybody doesn't. It doesn't take everyone eight years to get a food truck established. No, it doesn't. Uh, but a successful one and one that he, the guy doesn't have too many worries. Because mm -hmm. like I said, you gave me a name. Jay is a concept to me. But he's a brother that might be struggling day to day. Right. So all of a sudden, we just want to hand Jay something. Not really hand Jay something, but there needs to be more about that. And when we had that subsequent uh, Super Neighborhood meeting that we were at, and you talked about that, there were discussions about mental health stuff so that people mm -hmm. could go out and get checked out to make sure. Just like anything, when they try to sell you something on TV or you try to get into a marathon or do anything, they say, go check with your doctor first. Mm -hmm. So all I was thinking about was what people were trying to talk about to me was real. Make sure Jay is at a level and a place that when a door, because it's like Martin Luther King said, it's not about when opportunity knocks, it's can you step through the door. Mm -hmm. So your core, I believe, your core discussion with me was how do I get Jay that opportunity that he can step through the door and then hopefully he can make the rest on his own. But that wasn't just a simple answer. Right. You know, permitting I mean, and all that stuff is fine, but right. he's got to find funding. He's got but Jay, to Jay had his own funding. That's the thing. Jay has his own funding. He had that information. I know, but I also didn't say anything about mental health, and we went that route, too. So. Well, we went that right in that meeting, but I didn't know where Jay was because when you said... Jay he, is a guy who... Jay has his own funding. He just needs to know the correct steps to take to get his truck established and set up. So... Then putting him in touch with the guy to go sit down and have a conversation and said, man, what did you have to do to get where you are? And he goes back and finds an old business plan 
he says I sat with investors or I didn't I or you don't need investors I spent my money wisely or if Jay I had money like you this is where I would have spent my not limited dollars but my mm -hmm. first couple of dollars to get a better return on investment to the point to where Jay what you have if you can get to where I am faster then me and you might be talking about doing some business together because people do see opportunities in other folks that they can make money with mm -hmm. not off of with I told you I ain't got no problem with people making money I got problems with people being greedy I think any entrepreneur who saw that Jay had the res the very necessary resources the desire the will He's got locations in a place I don't have locations, Northeastern compared to Southeastern, then that's a whole different conversation. So that's why when we started to talk about that, it started to go into places like, well, where is Jay mentally, emotionally, and physically? Because I didn't know if Jay was just a brother on the corner holding together. Jay said, I got money in the bank. I got a dream. But I don't, I just can't seem to get, like the old jazz song, I just can't seem to get started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just needed to know which step to take and uh, which direction to go. So you would hook him up with somebody who's seasoned in the, in the business and basically get him a mentor. So they could have the real conversation about, Jay, do you want to take eight years or do you want to take four? Right. Because apparently you have some things that maybe I didn't have or it's a different time and a different game because I know when I go down to council, they talk about a lot of the food truck regulations that when I'm, I spent a great deal of time in Austin, and they food, food, food trucks were just everyday normal stuff. Mm -hmm. Then they started to gravitate down to Houston, and people saw like Uber and other things and ability to be their own entrepreneurs. So some rushed to be Uber drivers, some rushed to be productionists and movie people, and then some rushed to do food trucks. But the city had to then hurry up and come behind and come up with all these regulations so people wouldn't get sick and sued and all this other kind of stuff. And it's gotten to the point to where some of the food truck vendors I heard say at council, they appreciated that council put these things in place, but they thought that somewhere they, 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 they overstepped and they were a little onerous mm -hmm. in the sense of the discussions they had about them. They weren't discussions of we doing this together. They were discussions of we trying to prevent something. Mm -hmm. And see, when you have those type of discussions, people feel like there's a little bit of pushback in, well, we're going to do this and that's just the way it is. And uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. Compared to we clean three times a day, y'all require us to clean two. We're already ahead of that. Uh, there was something about dumping water. It was, it was kind of ridiculous stuff. But you got to realize when you're operating a business that's mobile, that's in a place, uh, you know, you don't have access to, the, to a drain. Right. You see some flowers and you take a pot of water and you just put it on there and you think you've done okay. But somebody might say, well, the water was contaminated or the water was used for food or... It gets into very complicated things. I just think that people did not feel like that situation was handled well. So that would be a world Jay would have to step into mm -hmm. to where he might not feel that it was as friendly in his government that regulates him. And they can shut him down with a quickness. Health department, the city, all of that stuff. And the sad thing, like you talked about people's participation in government, mm -hmm. Jay wouldn't understand why. Why? 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 He would do like a lot of people. But why can't I just dump this water after I, after I boil it up? Why? Yeah. Why? And see, that's the type of information he would need up front. And I guess that's what I was asking. Like, as far as that first step to take, you know, 
these are the regulations you're going to have to deal with, the permits that you're going to have to get and things like that because Jay, is a, he's, a busy, he's a business savvy dude, but mm -hmm. he just doesn't know how to take that next level to level up. And that was the information he would need to, to move forward. But um, so let's let's switch gears to economic development, pull okay. it, bringing that into the areas that like District B. For instance, we have Coca-Cola coming in to District B in the Greens Point area. Um, they're bringing their own employees. We we've, we've tried speaking with them about you know having a percentage of your new hires come from this area. But that always has to be the case. They wouldn't be here if I were a city council member. They wouldn't be here because it'd be revolution. You, 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 if this was a poker game, you got to bet big sometimes. You got to bluff. You don't play the cards. You play the man. Mm -hmm. So you got to sit and negotiate with Coca-Cola. And my fundamental belief is you get everything you negotiate. And one of the negotiations, especially for a corporate entity, is you bring your corporate entity into my political subdivision. You got to make contributions. And some of the contributions are... You got to do indirect economic development, which is you should commit to at least, yeah, 25 is low, but 25 to 50% of your workforce should come from the local community. When I first heard that, I was thinking, ah, that's kind of hard because you got to train people. They say they got to train them anyway. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like Coca-Cola wants to get up and running because they got millions and billions possibly at stake. But the thought is, is that there needs to be some kind of discussion. Say, man, we will make a commitment to having a program to bring people in, but let's be real. Y'all community people, we're a corporate entity. We're trying to get this up and running. We are not trying to have this be something we don't get our return on investment. But in the for real, let us do our thing, and we will definitely work with y'all on that, give you a commitment or anything like that. But the local government that allows people to come in should have already had that conversation to say, this is what the community would like to see. And this is sometimes a deal breaker. And you've got to be able to push that because there's an old saying that a guy that was my mentor said, ask for everything you want, not just what you think you're mm -hmm. supposed to get because you'll be surprised. They might give you everything. But in, in today's climate, do you honestly see us turning away a Coca-Cola or Amazon because they don't want to hire people from our communities, just in reality. Yes. That's the way it should be. You do it once, and people say, cool. And as you go forward, they understand the terms. I don't need, and I don't think it's the best thing to put people, sorry, to deny people prospective jobs, mm -hmm. but this is real. And you can't have folks just come in your house and do anything. So you think it would be okay if Coca-Cola said, hey, Carl, we coming over. And you said, I look forward to it. But when you sitting there, you don't hear a bell, you don't hear anything other than a door open up, somebody walk in, hey, Carl, I'm getting a beer. Don't mind. I'm up. You need anything? And you're like, how did you get in my house? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're in my house <laughs> making decisions that I'm not making. So wouldn't you get up and the guy, if you say, hey, man, what what are you doing? You just walked in. Oh, Carl, we friends. We cool. I know. I brought you all this Coke. Thank you. But would you not stop and say two things? Say, man, and put your hands in his chest and push him back to the door and say, we got to do this again. Mm -hmm. Or would you say, you scratch your head and say, dog, 
people get shot coming into my house like that. Oh, you wouldn't do that to me. And as you pull your pistol from behind your back and say, this is real. You need to get across to people that your the livelihood of your family, the livelihood of yourself, your family's best interest, whatever is going to benefit them, you're real about, you're serious about, you 100, as they say. And the guy goes, oh, okay, Carl, I, I understand. I shouldn't just come over to your house unannounced. Mm -hmm. I should just come into your house without knocking or ringing the bell. I should just expect that you would be okay with that. You get what you negotiate. So they probably negotiated tax breaks, tax abatements. Exactly. They probably negotiated land purchases. They can do all that, but they can't sit down and have a reasonable civil conversation with the local community. Because remember, the concept of having 25 to 50% of your workforce eventually come from the surrounding area, it cuts down on absenteeism. It cuts down on people have a vested interest in the company that live around the company. And when they prosper and the community prospers, it all, everybody wins. Mm -hmm. It goes hand in hand. But that whole thing of, I drive from Katy to go work at Amazon. Right. I drive from South Houston to come to Greenspoint. Well, again, I got no problem with people making money, but I do have a problem with people being greedy because in this situation, it denies people that are a block away, mm -hmm. that are in a five-mile radius of your plant, living, right. looking for work, jobs. Well, with the deals being done, because the deals are already on the table, ink signed, if you get into office, if you're elected, is there anything you can do, or is it too late? You gotta, you gotta try, and then you gotta explain to people you plan to be here a long time. So it's never closed because it's not built yet. They're still in the process of building. Things can change in a lot of different ways. Enough pressure will bust the pipe. <laughs> So you sit and you talk to people and you get negotiations, but you get people that they would rather listen to. Community shows up, people go, well, we're not planning on hiring y'all. We're not planning on doing it. Matter of fact, but then here's the, here's the math how it goes in my head. Right, but you planning on putting your product in stores in every shelf in my community mm -hmm. and you expect us to be happy and drink it and buy. <laughs> Man, you must be out your mind. Then you do boycotts. You tell people, if I can't work at Coke, I ain't drinking Coke. And if I ain't drinking Coke, I ain't buying Coke. Well, we take a step further. <laughs> and I, I'm just going to give you this story. Um, when I was in Puerto Rico, I met a guy who, in Puerto Rico, they're behind. They still, they're taxed, but they can't vote and things like mm -hmm. that. So there were, they all their be beaches are public. And there was a hotel that wanted to clear out a whole beach to put a parking lot adjacent to their hotel these people would call the famous musicians out there mm -hmm. and say this musician is going to be here this musician is going to be here on the day that they plan to break ground on this parking lot and 10,000 people would show up for a concert right <laughs> and they couldn't break ground and they did this every day or every time they planned to break ground they did this until this major corporation gave up remember when I said it's a revolution Sometimes you got to use what you have to get what you want. I'm not anti-business, but I also feel that you business shouldn't be anti-community. Mm -hmm. 
if I could hire 50% of my workforce from the local area and I take people that, I ain't going to say have nothing, but they don't have the skills that I can provide for them because they can then go work in some other warehouse. They can go work for Pepsi, my competitor. I don't care. We still think we make a better product. But I got people showing up on time. I got people covering holiday shifts. I got it's, I got a factory that pretty much can run 24-7. Mm-hmm. And we pumping out product. But when your or our leaders don't sit down and tell these people, you can talk to us, but you got to make the people in the area happy. Well, why you, what you mean? Well, you can't, y'all got trucks coming day and night. Yeah, we're going to build some roads. Ain't that wonderful, Mr. Mayor? Ain't that wonderful, Council Member? No. Because those roads are going to go through communities and they got kids playing in those streets. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure something else out. Oh, no, we need those roads because we got to pump that Coke out. We got to get that Coke to shells. Yeah, you do. But this community cannot have those trucks on a new road that it's problematic. Right. Those are things that you start to have to make decisions and determine that when Nothing is free. So when a business comes in, they come in with a set of expectations that they might not have explained to everybody. They're like, oh, you know, we need a new road because, you know, we're going to have them trucks pumping 12, 18 hours a day. That's the situation you have over in part of District B, over in Pleasantville, mm-hmm. where Gellhorn Street is the one of the worst streets because those diesel trucks that pack and ship and all that stuff, they tear that road up. But those companies do not return any money to the community or the city by saying, yeah, you know, we we, we ripping them roads up. But I tell you what, man, it really going to cut into our bottom line to fix the roads mm-hmm. and do what we do. But the city should sit down and have a discussion with them about we don't need all the money, but we do need some money because y'all are tearing them roads up really bad. Right. And people got to get in and out of Pleasantville on them roads. So... Be a good corporate citizen. See, that's the expectation. But you got to have that understanding that that's the expectation. Be a good corporate citizen. Don't take me out to dinner. Don't wine and dine me. If you're going to put a factory in my community, try to put a park. Maybe it doesn't fix the community's issue, but it's a start. Mm -hmm. You get what you negotiate. You start talking about, so y'all just build factories in Atlanta. You build factories in Washington. To build factories in all these places, and y'all don't bring anything better to the community? I don't think that's how that works. Mm-hmm. I think what y'all do is y'all get over when y'all can get over. Yeah. Most people do. Because Atlanta, people, they have a whole port, Coca-Cola port. Look nice, real nice. <laughs> it would look just as nice in the soon-to-be third largest city in the country. Mm-hmm. Because then you could say, oh, man, we got a facility in Houston. That's the third largest uh, city in the country. Matter of fact, it's one of our top markets. There's an old saying in sports, you got to bring some to get some. Mm-hmm. People have perverted that into, well, you got to pay to play. You got to do for me and I do for you. No. To bring some, get some. If you bring anything in the District B, you need to be vetted. And I, I'm t- I ain't talking about just, no, you need to be vetted. Right. And then once you vet it, you need to understand there is a rule. It's real simple. Two rules. We vet you. That's it. Second rule 
is you can make money here, but you can't be greedy. And what that means is if you put in an office park, you put in a park. If you put in a store, you try to contribute to a community garden. If you put in any type of business, you make yourself available to the civic club, chamber of commerce to be give in-kind contributions mm -hmm. to where everybody is on deck. Right. Everybody is all in. And then you have beautiful and wonderful communities that look like the Heights and Katy and Spring and that grow and that are lovely and Bel Air. Now, here's the real deal about that. I don't need to be Bel Air. I don't need to be the Heights. Right. I need to have the opportunity. And when you asked me a question earlier about, well, what do you notice about the difference? I'm one of the few candidates, and I think there's only two of us, and I'm going to give the other person his due because you asked me to be respectful. Only two candidates that have gone to every single part of this district. I'm missing one, and I'll get to that one. And talk to the people and ask them what's going on in their community. Now, I'm not here to tell you how it's supposed to look, how it should look. I'm asking you how you want it to look because mm -hmm. Fifth Ward is not Bordersville. Bordersville is not Acres Home. Acres Home is not East Houston. East Houston is not Scenic Wood. That's my community. Right. So everybody needs to have the opportunity to design. It's called local control. We say that at the state. Mm -hmm. You need to, the local people need to have the control to decide what their community will look like going forward. Do you want Uber? Yes. Do you want McDonald's? I go in the community, I go, where's the McDonald's? They go, oh, we don't want them here. Right. And so you need to have the ability to decide going forward. So Greens Point, they need to have the ability to decide what they want to look like going forward. You want to give people that and you want to help them with it. So if they turn and say, hey, man, uh, you know, we already use names, but let's go forward. We ain't using no names. Company so-and-so coming in here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to get them to the table, man. Can you, Mr. City Councilman, get us to sit down with them? Or if you get to sit down with them, bring our voice into right. the room with you. Right. And, and that's something I've done in each of these communities, going down to talk to Commissioner's Court, because they fixed my bayou. Mm -hmm. I live in front of a bayou. Bayou hadn't been fixed in 30 years, crumbled and fell inside of itself. I took myself down to Commissioner's Court, and I said, hey, it's real simple. My story is this. When the flood came, I was okay. But people called me and said, hey, man, we know you're a good dude. You're going to get out and help people. I said, there's a problem. I can't get out my neighborhood because my neighborhood flooded, mm -hmm. not my house. So, bruh, I can't get to anybody, and nobody can get to me. Right. I'm on an island. So while the storm is destroying a lot of people's lives, it was a minor inconvenience for me, but I couldn't help people that needed it. So sitting there, I went to the county and said, so if I can't go help my neighbors at their biggest time of need, I figured out riding my bicycle around the neighborhood, I look at my bayou, and that rain comes down, that water is not leaving my community. It just rises and rises, and we become a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. So I go to the county, and I go, hey, real simple, I came here previously and asked the commissioner's court, hey, could you guys work with us over in Northeast Houston? I was talking about my community, not District B. But I said, 
and we stand ready to work with y'all. It's a new day. Y'all got a new court, mm -hmm. new voices, new ears listening to right. things. And they said, yeah. Then we passed the bond election. And now I'm sitting here looking at my community and saying, hey, we ain't got no projects. Y'all need to tell us what you want. Okay, I got one. Hmm. Fix my bayou. Right. And I brought them pictures, and I told them the story. And two, count, two commissioners that were nowhere near my side of town turned and said, well, that's what we've been trying to say the whole time. Hmm. And I was smart enough that I listened to some people who told me, ask for not the bond money, because that got strings attached to it. Mm -hmm. Ask for, we know y'all already got money that y'all can just shoot straight on in. Hmm. And so when I said, hey, man, I don't care where y'all get the money. Just fix my bayou. Right. You know what they said, Mr. Butler? We have money set aside for that. Hmm. We're going to get rocking and rolling on your bayous real quick. Right. Next day, Flood Control District called me and said, we got the contract sitting on the deal to get a vendor in the next 60 days to start working on Hall's Bayou to fix it. I go to my civic club meeting, and I go, hey, what's the status of the bayous? We ain't got no bayou problem. Things are fine. We got a metro problem. We got right. this problem, that problem. Three days later, it rained all day, and it took me till 3 a.m. sitting in a parking lot full of cars at a sitco on Little York because none of us could get into the neighborhood. Wow. So it seemed like you, you know, the processes, you know, a lot of the issues, even that you know the civic clubs and other people may not be aware of or be focused on, and it seemed like you know the processes to get things done. So you're looking pretty good, and you know. Overall, District B, you know, getting to understand the different problems and things like that. So uh, let us know about anything you have going on in the community. Do you have any any other projects, any any places we can see you in the near future, anything like that? Uh, I'm giving some thought because when I told you I was driving the Metro and I saw the little old lady and she was sitting at the bench and my heart was full and I asked her, you remember me? And I said, hey. Mm -hmm. they, I told you we'd get you a bench, and we told you to get you a bus shelter, and the buses are going to start running a little more frequently. She said, but I need more. Mm -hmm. Tell them I need more. We need more. And I sort of said to myself, well, the war is over. We got you the bus shelter. <laughs> and I had asked Metro for infrastructure. They right. told me infrastructure takes time. Come. And I, while my heart was full, after they did the vote that day, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't have an a, 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 a enemy to fight or a battle. And I'm sitting here walking around saying, I actually got something from an entity that nobody gets anything from. Mm -hmm. But is that it? Is, 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 is Am I supposed to just go home and say, yo, man, back in 2019, <laughs> right, I took on Metro. And then the question being, what's greedy? What's pandering? What's real? Mm -hmm. What's the next real issue? Well, Metro has this bond election, Metro Next. Uh, they're still working with separate entities, but it's tick, tick, tick. It's still going on fast. One of the things I'd like to see, uh, and I can go ahead and say it, I think there should be a citizen advisory group for Metro because most of the people, when I sit in those meetings, mm -hmm. I don't come in and do what I need to do and leave. I sit and listen. Most of those people are disabled or regular Metro riders. They're customers who talk about the level of service, the disrespect, or the quality of service. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, so they have a board. The board is appointed by the mayor. But why can't they just put together, and this is sort of loose thought, this is how my mind works, a community advisory board of people like Carl, of people like me, mm -hmm. that when they go 
And an advisory board doesn't have power or authority, but an advisory board can get the word to the board. Right. And the board says, hey, man, y'all had meetings and talked to people and y'all were available. What's going on in the community? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, in Kashmir, y'all got drivers being very disrespectful to people. Oh, oh, well, did the people come to the meeting and tell us that? They couldn't. They're handicapped. They, they, they don't have accessibility. They only travel when they need to because travel is difficult for somebody. Right. A woman goes to the board meeting and says, hey, I'm blind. I'm in a wheelchair. I got to map my trips out when I leave the house. This is not where I can just pick up and go. And a lot of the people that I was doing that Metro stuff for, it was handicapped elderly seniors mm-hmm. that I met at bus stop said, I can't make it to these meetings, but can you carry the word right. for me? <clears throat> so I'd like to see, and I'm thinking about that, but it's going in with Metro where the problem is so big, I got a community taken care of, now I got a city council district to try to work on, mm-hmm. and then this thing is going to expand to where the county is now going to become part of Metro, to where the politics and stuff is going to shift. And you think we didn't get things going forward when they got new players in the game and it's a bigger board mm-hmm. and they got their people to take care of, yep. you got to keep up. Right. So the other thing would be uh, we're going to start doing some real serious fundraising, get some websites up, uh, going to more events, talking about issues. Uh, still going to do the same old thing. I got a people-centric campaign. I do not go to places and ask people to vote for me. I go and sit and listen to their problems. Sometimes I do a listening to I sit in a room and I hear stuff. Then I go up and say, hey, man, what's y'all three biggest problems out here? Oh, we got an old road that's eroding. We got a house that needs to be torn down. And we got a park that the lights go out at night right. where we can't utilize the park. Okay, show me this stuff. But see, I got candidates, and again, you told me to be respectful, but I got candidates walking in and handing somebody a push card or a flyer, and then they leave the meeting. Mm-hmm. They didn't hear the story where the little, old, 65-year-old woman that is a longtime resident says, I called the cops on the drug dealers in my neighborhood, but I told the drug dealer after the cop left and took a picture with him, mm-hmm. that if the cops ain't going to do nothing about you, say, man, we can meet the middle of the street, and I got a 32, and we can handle this out. And I said, wait a minute, nobody, no, I sat in a civic club meeting and had a 65-year-old woman, tell me, tell the group. I told that young man, and no community needs to have where the seniors are trying to protect themselves from their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. But she told that young man, I'll meet you in the middle of the street, we can sell this. Now, that's some old school street right, justice. Right. And that's why, <laughs> and, and you got to keep pressing forward the way you're doing. And we really appreciate all the work that you're putting in um, with Metro. And of course, being that, that representative and being our voice in that aspect. And um, when you get your when you get your websites and things like that up, uh, please let us know. Yeah, we're going to um, have fundraisers. We're going to start. Fundraisers. Uh, we're going to start talking. I mean, I go to these other communities and I look at them and then I look at us. But. I don't do this. We got to be like the high school. I'd be like this. Take the stuff you like. Take mm-hmm. the stuff that works for you. And then put it in your gumbo. Right, right. And we can figure that out. But we don't need to be the heights. We could be better. We could be our own better version of the heights. Right. But we can figure out what works for us. Everything is not a one-to-one. <coughs> and I think that's where people make mistakes. We would like to be like Revolt. No. What you don't want is 
you don't want people to be looking at folks that have not come yet. See, this is that gentrification talk, mm -hmm. that have not come yet, that when they show up, they're going to be able to contribute to the tax base. A lot of the people in District B, uh, <coughs> we have low people generate low income. We have a lot of seniors that don't pay taxes. Well, they're not contributing to the tax base, so the city is looking for those people that haven't come yet, mm -hmm. that don't look like you or I. And again, nothing wrong. People got to live. Come from California, come from Austin, come from all over to the city of Houston and the state of Texas. But those people don't look like us. They don't have the same interests. But they do have one thing that the city loves. They can contribute to the tax base because they're 25 up to 45. Mm -hmm. They working. They will push us out, push the people look like you and I out, and they will build a new community. It'll be City Gas Heights, Greens Point North, or Greens Point Terrace, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And you'll start seeing different people with hiking bike trails and uh, rock climbing walls and all that stuff where it used to be, now it's Acres Home Pavilion. <laughs> or it's, it's uh, instead of Acres Home, it's now called Alta Mesa. Right. And those people are now living there. And when they're pulling down an old sign, somebody says, hey, man, what is that? Oh, it's something somebody left up here that says Acres Home. And they go, whatever happened to those people? They might not want that sign taken down. They go, those people are gone. <laughs> so here's my question. Where are they going to go and what's going to happen to them? When you start moving people out, they got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So the question I need to know at the final analysis, I'm not saying anybody's putting anybody on trains. I'm not saying, but they got to go somewhere. Right. And if you start pushing them into specific communities. Oh, we can let them have that. Mm -hmm. We can let them have this. Those communities, I hope, don't become ghettos. Because all oh, this is supposed to be about prospering. It's 2019. Mm -hmm. I saw looking like Midtown with the homeless, with the homelessness. But um, we don't have to get out of here before this rain catch the best of us. Before we go, um, is there anything else you want to let the people know? <sighs> this has been a long journey. We are not even at the midway point. So a lot of things are going to start changing. I'm going to be at a lot more places, doing a lot more things. Uh, need to speak out a lot more on things. Mm -hmm. uh, the sad part is this. A lot of the candidates that you talk to, a lot of the candidates that you do, they get this righteous indignation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should do this and deed restrictions and da-da-da, and they shouldn't be doing us like this. I was saying that from day one. My community looks worse than it did 30 years ago. And I got people that on my list that we got to sit down and have a conversation. I don't have a stroke to have it with them yet, <laughs> but being a city council member, and in some cases, I'm going to be honest with you, we're going to have to let some things slide, but we can't let everything slide. So there's going to be some conversations. There's going to be some healing, some repairs. There's going to be some, maybe y'all don't need to be in District B. Maybe y'all need to be in a different district because it will eventually help your community because y'all have no connection with us. Mm -hmm. But if we put y'all over there with some populations that don't look like y'all, yeah, it's going to change your world up, but y'all might just survive. Right. So those are hard conversations and hard things that need to be done to design, develop, and help people get them in the best position to create the communities they want to live in. Gotcha. Well, that sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Before we go, one last thing. Yes, sir. Let me know your three favorite local businesses in District B or in Houston? Luigi's Pizzeria, 
that is over, you said in District B. Mm -hmm. Okay, Louisiana's not District B. I said or Houston. Or well, Louisiana is in, in, um, is in um, Midtown, uh, right behind uh, Houston Community College, the downtown deal. I, I like that because it was an Irish guy that married an Italian woman that got cancer. He went to MD Anderson. He brought them food so they took such good care of his wife. He started a business. His kids worked at that business. Mm -hmm. It is now one of the most hottest, the hottest pizzerias, best pizzerias. And he's not, his name is not Luigi. He did it out of a labor of love and now it's turned into a wonderful business. The other business is uh, a guy that could teach everybody a lesson. He owns uh, some subway shops. I can't say the names, but he was done with business. He had made all his money, but he decided that he was bored at the house and he started up these subway sandwich shops. He would go in three months, figure out how he wanted to. He'd go back and play golf. His wife said, what you doing? I'm not worried about that. I've done that. They started to grow and get bigger and better. Mm -hmm. So this is a guy who's making money off of a hobby to stop himself from being bored playing golf. You can't golf. get a name? No. <laughs> oh, come on. Man. But the issue is, is that the guy is taking the money and just giving it to his kid. He goes, oh, this is y'all. Mm -hmm. My money is, I'm sitting on it. So entrepreneurship, wealth, generational wealth. But this is all off of, man, I sure am bored. I'm tired of playing golf. I ought to start up a little sandwich shop. And I just, you know, something to keep me busy. Mm -hmm. Now he's got change. And it's growing. So in District B, it's not really a business. It's the library that we were at. That's my favorite spot because that library is going to start changing a lot of folks' lives. It's without the educational choices that we have. It's not a business, but it's nice. Then I might say Nutenda because it's the closest thing we got to a grocery store, a real grocery store that's a chain, even though it's owned by HEB, but they call it something else. But the only thing is they have a different model, mm -hmm. and that model, they ain't looking for me, and they ain't looking for you. They're looking for, as the man said, Hispanic mother's shopping patterns. Mm -hmm. So that's the new market that they're trying to get into. Mm -hmm. I just want to know what they're going to do with me. Like I told you. They'll be happy when you show <laughs> up. They're still going to be happy They'll when you show up. They'll take my money because right. it's a little land yap. Right. But other than that, they going to make the bulk of their money off of. And the funny part is I go to HEBs and top flight grocery stores all over the city. You'll have smaller baskets. You'll have a hand basket. Mm -hmm. At Nintendo, they all got the old school. You used to go to the store with your mama, big shopping cart. Because right. y'all get that week worth of groceries. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh I would be able to tell you that, but honestly, the situation in District B is so so sad that some of the businesses, uh, there was a business, I only recently met the gentleman, but on uh, Mesa Road, he owned a restaurant for a long period of time. He was feeding people back when this community, at least over in East Houston, was white. Mm -hmm. He committed suicide this weekend. Yeah, I heard about that. Jeff's Kitchen. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So when you got long-time businesses like that that I'm being introduced to and know of and you got situations like that and you just don't know what's going on you don't know if it's gonna go forward or whatever but it's still tragic right it definitely got to address the mental health issues and where it's mental health awareness within District B and our community but, but District B goes from Fifth Ward Trinity Gardens Rosewood uh, you know City Gas Scenic Wood all the way up to Atascacita, Queens, 
over to uh, Greens Point, then swings down to Acres Home. You got a little bit of spring. When you ask me about my favorite one, here's the bad part about that. And this is truth, because that's what you should get from your elected officials. I don't shop at District B. I go outside of District B to go get what I need, because people have better choices and better value. Mm -hmm. That's sad. But I'm not the only one. There are right. more people than me that do that. Gotcha. So the eventuality is we need to start putting these things inside District B so that we don't have to go outside of our community right. to find what we need. And we're going to say that for part two. <laughs> right. I hope you'll come back. But again, thanks for ha thanks for coming. You're welcome. We appreciate having you. Appreciate the insight and the knowledge. No problem. Thank you, sir. The Mangrove Community presents the Reasonable Doubt podcast series. For more information about the community or how to volunteer, please visit mangrovecommunity.org.